Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. Let's read, let's read what we've been talking about again. How about that since I've seemed to keep veering? Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you. Don't you like that big word? Fill. Listen, you're always full of something. It might might as well be something pleasing. It might as well be something easy to be around. (laughs) Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Faith, joy, and peace are companions. You can know your faith level by knowing your joy and peace level. If you realize that you're not in faith, start functioning in joy. Start just praising the Lord. Start worshiping the Lord. Start rejoicing over what God has already done for you. And it will get your faith moving. Because it takes faith to lay hold of all that God has for you. There was uh, one of my favorite stories along this line is a pastor who was faced with, he was going through a season of depression. And there's going to be seasons of attack in your life. And just because an attack seems to last doesn't mean your faith isn't working. It doesn't mean the word isn't working. But make sure you're in your faith. Make sure you're using your faith. How do you know if you're using it? If you're answering those situations. If you're going to receive and walk with God, if you're going to receive from God and walk with God, you not only have to know how to talk to God, you have to know how to talk to the devil. We talk to God in fellowship we talk to the devil in authority we're not conversing with him we're using our authority we're answering when something comes up and says you're going to lose your home just start laughing and say no I won't no I won't I will not lose my home because God's already given me a supply for this home when this when I bought this home it didn't just come with a kitchen it didn't just come with a bedroom it didn't just come with a den it came with a supply Amen. Jehovah Jireh is his name. He's the provider. And for me to lose my home, God would have to change his name. And his name isn't changing and I'm not losing my home. He's my provider. You answer it because you know something. And then you rejoice and you praise and you get into the flow of joy. Not to work up something, but because you know something. And you're remembering what you ought to remember when you rejoice. If you're not rejoicing, it's because you've forgotten what you should have remembered. Praise the Lord. And when your joy is flowing, then learn to release your faith through that. So this man, he was, this pastor was facing for a season, he had been dealing with depression. And I mean, he got to the point where he was on the verge, he was suicidal. And he was a precious man of God. He was a man of faith. He was a man who walked with God. I'm not talking about someone who lived with one foot in the world. I'm talking about someone who was committed and wholehearted toward God. But this season came that he was under this attack. And one day he was sitting in his bedroom, curtains drawn, room dark, And all of a sudden, Jesus walks in. And he comes and sits down by him. That's a good day, isn't it? Can I tell you? He's in you. It's a good day. Don't wait for a spectacular to know the supernatural is in you. So Jesus came and sat down by him. Didn't say a word. Just sat next to him and started laughing. 
<laughs> and Jesus started laughing and the man, this pastor, took his cue from him and started laughing. And they sat and laughed together. Notice this. Jesus didn't sit and talk about what he was being challenged with. He didn't talk about the problems. He did not talk about the opposition. He gave him the flow of the exit out of that situation. Your exit is not talk about it. Your exit is not get 14 people to give their opinion. Your exit is to have faith and express faith. And joy is an expression of faith. And so the two sat and laughed together. Jesus got up and walked out and all of that was broken off of him. It would not have been enough for Jesus to come and sit down and laugh. If the man would have sat there and watched. The man had to enter into that flow. It's not enough for you to sit in a church and watch us praise. It's not enough to just enjoy what's going on around you. It's not enough to sit where the word is going. You have to enter into the flow for your situation to change. Many people, are, listen, the difficulty why people are struggling financially with healing and all this stuff is because they're trying to get something without realizing I've got it and I'm going to laugh my body into it. Dad Hagen was laying in bed one night at Dad Goodwin's house, preaching there for him, and heart symptoms came up. And Dad, Dad Hagen just pulled the covers up over his head and goes, ha, 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 just like that, ha, 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 ha. And the devil said, what you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you. <laughs> and Dad Hagen just went, ha, 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 ha. And the devil said, and he said, I went on 10 minutes that way before he even said anything. What was he doing? He's getting his faith going. He's getting his faith going. Because when you're feeling something, you need your faith going. And so he just, ha, 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 ha. And uh, the devil said again, what are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you. He said, what are you laughing at me about? He said, you said, I'm not going to get my healing. He said, that's right. This is one time you're not going to get your healing. He said, devil, I'm not trying to get my healing. I already got it. See, the devil will try to get you. You'll try to slip into this thing. You're trying to get something because you forgot what you already got. You're laughing because what you know. And that's what Dad Hagen did. And he said he scurried up and picked up his symptoms and left. Not by him standing up and binding things and praying hard and trying to do this and trying to do works. Laughing was enough. What does it say in Job? What does it say in Job? At destruction and famine, I will laugh. Amen. So if, if laughing is enough for destruction, you know what destruction is? It's total ruin. When something threatens to totally ruin you, the word says laughing is enough. Amen. And then it says at destruction and famine. What's famine? Famine is when there's not enough. You can have not enough money, not enough food, not enough mortgage payment, not enough money for your insurance. When there's not enough, 
That's a famine. And the Bible says at anything that threatens to destroy and ruin you. I'm not talking about just a little, you stub your toe and now you're ticked off. I'm talking about when something is standing and, and standing right in your face and saying ruin for you. When that stands in your face and threatens you with ruin. When something that says you'll never make the money payment, you'll never have enough. When there's not enough at these two things, destruction and famine, we have our counsel from God. Laugh at it. It doesn't say call, it doesn't say call the pastor and get counseling. It doesn't say call four people and get them to pray. It doesn't say spend three hours praying in the Holy Ghost. Listen, praying in the Holy Ghost is right, and I'm not diminishing that. But first we have to do what the Word already told us to do. If you'll laugh. I think possibly some of the pastors, when somebody calls and says, I need to meet for counseling, I got this big problem. Possibly as pastors, we need to say, how long have you spent laughing in the face of this? Because if you're not going to laugh at famine and destruction, I can't help you. Because God already told you what to do. At destruction and famine, I will laugh. It doesn't say at destruction and famine, I'll feel like laughing. It says at destruction and famine, I set my will in place. I set my will in, emo in, in, in motion. And my will is I'm going to laugh, I'm going to rejoice. Not because the difficulty came, but because I know something. I know something. I know something. When God looked ahead in eternity and he saw the kings of the world and demon spirits taking counsel, how they were going to crucify Jesus, the word says God sat in the heavens and laughed. Why? Because the crucifixion was nothing but Jesus' entrance into hell to wreck the place. They thought they were taking him out and God was sliding him in right to their, right to their place. And then he came out. He came out and brought many sons to glory. <laughs> Spread that anointing worldwide. Woo! <laughs> Woo! That's what I'm talking about. Now, 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 you see what you're doing right now? Do this in your kitchen. Do this in your office when it looks like your business is going to go down. You stand up and you say, I know something. I know something. I know something. I know something. Woo! <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now sit back down. You're taking on my preaching time. <laughs> hallelujah. I, I want, I, there's a few things I want to, I want to get to before we go any further today. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. It says this and starting in going from verse 1 to 3. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now he's going to tell us how we can accomplish this. Looking unto Jesus. That means 
He's the center of this thing. Keep your focus on him and how he operates and what he's provided for you. Everything connected with him has to be your attention. The word, your, your inheritance, what he's redeemed you into, what he's redeemed you out of. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our what? Ah, you're not going to get to the end of this race that you're running unless you got faith and you know it and you protect it. You have to contend for your faith. You know what Paul said at the end of his life? He said, I finished my course. I finished my race. I kept the faith. Nothing stole my faith out of me. Nothing took my faith. Faith was an emphasis of his life. And he said at the end of it, my faith is intact. My faith is stronger. My faith is, my faith is full. He didn't let life take his faith out of him. He didn't let unbelieving people take his faith out of him. He didn't let wrong doctrines take his faith out of him. Why? Because you can't move forward without it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not this, the author and finisher of our ministry. No. Because without faith, you can't finish your ministry. When people abandon their ministry, it's because it's a faith issue. The devil didn't take them out. It's a faith issue. When people refuse to obey God in their ministry, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a devil issue. It's a faith issue. Put faith back in place and you'll get back in the place God had, had intended for you. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the, look at this, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. If you don't do it the way he did, consider him. Consider what he did. The way, consider what he did to fulfill what he was called to on the earth. You do what he did. If you don't consider him and do it the way he did it, you're going to get wearied and faint in your mind. Now, how did he finish what he was born for? Let's look again. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What does that mean? That means this. He wasn't focused on the cross. For the joy that was, the joy wasn't the cross. The joy, the, the cross was the price. The joy was Coming out of hell, being raised out of hell, raised right back to his rightful seat at the right hand of the Father, bringing many sons unto glory. Amen. What he was born for was the joy on the other side. So what did he do? He endured the cross by focusing on the joy. That means he looked clear through the cross, looked past it. And he didn't focus on the opposition that was in front of him. He focused on what he's going to come into once he obeys and fulfills this thing. You know how you're going to get past the difficulty? Quit looking at it. Quit looking at it. Quit looking at it. Focus on what's on the other side. Opposition comes to try to block your progression into more anointing, more revelation, more, more power. More of God's plan, more of God's will, more clarity. All of this comes to try to block you. Don't look at that. Focus on, I'm getting to the other side of this thing. Because what's on the other side of this is a reward. Do you know that's exactly what David did with Goliath? 
all the other Hebrew soldiers were, were hiding. The Israeli soldiers, they were hiding. Why? Because they listened and looked and kept their attention on the big ugly guy. They were absorbed with him. They sat and listened to him every single day. David came up and he heard the same thing, but you know what he did? He asked a question. The guy who beats him, what's he get? He started talking about the reward that's on the other side of this guy. They were just so aware and so intent and so focused on the guy. David said, what's on the other side of big boy here? You know what's on the other side? They said three things. Great wealth. The king will give him great wealth. Number two, the king gives him his daughter to marry. What's this mean? He comes into royal bloodline. He comes into authority and future generations come into royal bloodline. Now they come into a place of authority in that land. People say, well, what she looked like? It don't matter what she looked like. It does not matter what she looked like. It's what she represents. It's what's attached to her. When I win, I get all of her and all that's attached to her. So many of you, well, I won't take that job because what's that, what I have to do? You better quit that because there's something attached that you can prove yourself faithful and you can become a student of somebody else so that you can come into your own later. And then the third thing was him and his, him and his family are free from service and taxes. So when he, when he beat Goliath, it just wasn't just benefiting him. It was benefiting his family. It was benefiting future generations. Whether you walk in faith or not doesn't just affect you. It's going to affect your children and your grandchildren. If you don't walk in faith, it's going to, not just going to affect you. It's going to affect you, your children, your grandchildren, and future generations. Faith is not an option. It's how we live. It's what I'm putting in my kids. It's what I'm putting in my grandchildren. And not just words talking about it, demonstrations of it. Showing them when there, it looks like there's not enough, this is what we're doing. So when David's running at Goliath, he's not seeing a big guy. He's seeing, I'm getting rich off you. I'm getting me a nice wife and a nice house and I'm coming into something. And not only this, I'll never have to fight another one of you if I don't want to. I never have paid taxes. You know what Goliath was? He was a great big tax deduction. <laughs> That's what he was. He didn't see the big opposition. He saw the reward on the other side. Jesus endured the cross because he looked at the joy of what's on the other side. If you're stumbling and you're faltering over what's in front of you, quit looking at it. Start looking by faith. The only way you can see what's on the other side is by faith. This is why people get under it and can't go any further. They don't have faith to look on what's on the other side of this thing. That's why you need faith. I tell you, that's why you need faith. Every day, feed your faith. Every day, listen to something with faith. Every day, use your faith. It's not enough that you sit in a church that preaches it. You have to do it. You have to do it. It's not about church attendance. It's about living this life. Now, church attendance will help you live the life. But I'm just saying, you got to do it. 
I said you got to do it. Then turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. I want to read to you a passage that Paul, because of his faith life, it put him in a place of fellowship with God. Let me tell you what. If you're going to fellowship with God, you've got to have faith. Your faith life will enhance your fellowship. Or it will diminish your fellowship with God. Why? Because God's a faith God. He's not fellowshipping with worry. He's not fellowshipping with fear. He is a faith God. And we have to meet Him on His flow. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, Paul is writing and he says, For me to live is Christ. In other words, Christ is going to be manifesting himself through me. Yes. As I live on this earth, he's going to get his way through my life. Amen. For me to live is Christ. And to die is what? Gain. 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 Promotion. Yes. Amen. Increase. Yes. Right? But if, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. In other words, he said, I have a choice that's mine. Do I stay here or do I go into gain? And he says, look this, the choice is mine. Can I tell you what? The choice is yours. The outcome of your life is, is up to you. It's not up to sickness, not up to disease, not up to the devil. It's up to a person with faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith or you'll forfeit your choice. The devil will take your choice from you. If you don't have faith. He says, uh, you, what I shall choose. He says, I'm not sure. I don't know whether I'm going to choose to stay and be with you or choose to go on into gain. He says, for I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm in a rock, between a rock and a hard place. I'm not sure. So he's working this out in his spirit as he's writing this out. Having a, des a desire to depart. He's saying, this is my desire. I want to depart. I want to go be with Christ. Which is what? Far better. Not a little bit better. Far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, for me to stay here, is more needful for you. And having this confidence that it's more needful for you that I stay. Having this confidence, I know, what, I know that I shall abide and continue with you. Notice this. All right, I make my decision. I'll stay with you. I'm continuing with you. Aren't you glad for ministers who continue with you? Don't ever abandon what God's called you to do. Continue because someone's affected by whether you continue or not. And he said, I'm, going, I'm considering the effect on you. What happens if I leave? Or what happens if I stay? You're my consideration, not me. He says, I know that I shall abide and continue with you, continue with you all for your furtherance. Look at this. And joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So Paul was saying this. Paul was going to stay on the earth for the purpose of getting their faith to the place of joy. Getting their faith to the joy level. You can have faith. 
but not flowing if it's not in joy. He said, I'm going to stay for the purpose of joy to get you into the joy of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then John 16, verse 22, I'll just read it to you. It says, your joy, let no man take from you. Notice this. You're the only one responsible for your joy. It's not up to how somebody treats you as to whether or not you're going to cooperate with the force of joy in you. Because I will tell you this. Others will not always treat you right. What are you going to do with your joy about that? Come on. Come on. If others don't treat you right, don't give them your joy too. There are some people who, if they're not happy, they don't want anybody else in the house happy. You are authorized to bypass them. If they want to be in a bad mood and they want to treat people wrong, that's fine. But you control your joy, not them. And too many times people are saying, if I just had a better spouse, if I just had a better setting, they may not be treating you right, but until you learn to operate with the joy that's already available to you right where you're at, you're going to be robbed from unnecessarily. your, Your peace does not hinge on someone else behaving right. You understand that. Your joy does not hinge on someone else behaving right. Your joy is yours. It's yours to draw on. It's yours to spend. It's yours to activate. It is yours. Amen. No one else is responsible for your joy level. You are. If somebody's not treating you right and they want to be upset, let them be that alone. Amen. 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 But they're just running the atmosphere. Change it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When Smith Wigglesworth told his wife, Polly, she was the pastor early on in their marriage. And she was going to preach. He was backslid at this season of his life. And she got up to go and pastor, do a service. And he said, I'm the head of this house. See, when you're backslid, you got to let go of all of it. Don't just hold on to certain scriptures you like for your control. (laughs) But he was only holding to certain scriptures, not all of them, in his backsliding. And he said, I'm the head of this house. The Bible says I'm the head. And so you're not going to go and preach today. You're going to stay home and you're going to take care of this family. And she said, Smith, you're my husband. I honor you as my husband, but Jesus is my Lord. And she said, she said, I am going. And so she said, I have provided for the home. The supper is ready. The house is clean. The children are cared for. I'm not neglecting my home to go do what God told me to do. And so she came back and the door was locked. And in England, it gets cold and it's damp. And so she just tucked herself up in the threshold of the, of the door. And he opened the door the next morning. She bound in laughing and said, good morning, Smith. What do you want for breakfast? And he, he was so convicted He got right with God right then. Why? Her joy changed his flow. Your joy, let no man take from you. Your joy, let no man take from you. If someone takes your joy, they'll get your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith, joy, and love. They're our companions. Praise the Lord. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, 
share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of DeFrame Ministries.